Girlfriends, episode number 346, Gaining Spiritual Strength with Fasting with guest Beth Bubick. Hello and welcome to Girlfriends. I'm Danielle Bean. I'm a wife and a mom, and I'm on a mission to help you know your worth as a woman so you can find peace, balance, and joy in family living. This week, we are talking with a special guest, Beth Bubick, who is a Catholic fasting coach. What is that about? Can't wait to share this conversation with you. Let's get going. Hey, girlfriend, how are you? Thank you so much for being here. I always love connecting on the podcast and thrilled to have you with us this week. So we're going to be talking about fasting today. And I need to just give this caution right at the start of this episode. So first of all, my guest is Beth Bubick, who is a Catholic fasting coach. And she is not a doctor. And I am not a doctor. And nothing that we're going to talk about here is meant to replace medical advice. It is not meant to be medical advice. It is not meant to replace medical advice you might receive from your healthcare provider. So don't take it for that. Okay. We're sharing about some different aspects of fasting and some different benefits that Beth wants to share about and that I have experienced as well. And so none of this is medical care and it doesn't replace medical care. And if you have any questions about fasting and whether or not it's appropriate for you, your doctor is a good person to talk to about it. And as well, whenever we talk about fasting, I always, always have to say it's not for everyone. Okay. And it's actually a very trendy topic these days. And so I think sometimes people do feel pressured like to to fast in different ways or to try it out. And it's the people that it is definitely not for are pregnant women and it's not for breastfeeding women. If you were growing a human like that, you you have no business fasting, okay? Not in the way that we're talking about here. You can fast from, you know, coffee or something like that, but in in the way that we're talking about like going for an extended period of time without food, Absolutely not for people who are pregnant or breastfeeding. And then also women who have suffered or are suffering any kind of an, an eating disorder of any kind, then you know you really want to talk to your mental health provider for that about whether or not it makes sense for you. I'm going to say it probably doesn't, you know, because if you're worried that you're going to fall into that kind of mentality or slip back into bad habits with regard to how you think about food, how you think about nutrition, then uh, definitely it's not going to be something for you. And it may be that you, because of your physical health in other ways, that fasting is not for you. So like I said, talk with your doctor about that. This show is not medical advice. All right. So that said, I want to give my my little shout out at the start here to remind you to go over to girlfriendscommunity.com. If you're not already part of our community, we miss you. We want you to join us. And this is a virtual community that I created this past summer. And I've been thrilled to see it grow into this thriving community of women who are really focused on connecting and just for the purpose of encouraging each other in Catholic family living in affirming each other in our identities as women and our unique strengths and gifts that we have in the eyes of God, praying with each other, praying for each other. And two very recent benefits are joining uh, Girlfriends Community gives you access to things like our No No November group, which is a place where we are encouraging each other to kind of develop new habits or break bad habits for the 30 days of November. If you want to be a part of that, you can check it out over at girlfriendscommunity.com. And then also my Advent retreat that I'm going to be giving online. It's going to be Wednesday, November 30th. 
It costs $30 to register, except if you are a member of the Girlfriends community, you get access to it for free. So if you've been putting off checking out the Girlfriends community, now's the time to do it. Go over to girlfriendscommunity.com and sign up, and then you can get access to our November group, as well as free access to that Advent retreat on Wednesday, November 30th. All of those details are available for you over at girlfriendscommunity.com. All right. I can't wait to share this. Really, I I love to talk about fasting. Uh, It's something that has really benefited me in my life spiritually, physically, emotionally. There's so many different ways that I've benefited from different kinds of fasting in my life. And Beth Bubick is somebody who is focused on it in a professional way. And um, she has a lot of beautiful experience to share as well. So here's my conversation with Beth. I have a special guest who is joining me here today on Girlfriends. Beth Bubik quit her corporate sales job six months ago after starting her own coaching business. She specializes in permanent weight loss through spiritual fasting for Catholics. She's been married to her husband, Mike, for 32 years, and they have three amazing adult kids living in three different states. She's a degreed engineer from Purdue University and holds a secondary education degree in math from St. Mary's College. And Beth's mission is to bring one million souls back to the Catholic Catholic Church through spiritual fasting. Beth Bubik, welcome to Girlfriends. I'm so glad you're here. Hi, Danielle. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to dive into this conversation. So we've talked about fasting before here on the podcast. And uh, on on a couple of different episodes, I've outed myself as a regular faster, Mm. mostly for health benefits is how I got started. But I would love to hear what your introduction was to fasting and how you came to be involved in the kind of work that you're doing today. Oh, awesome. Yeah. So I started actually exactly how you started with health benefits and weight loss. I Mm -hmm. entered a life coach school called the life coach school with Brooke Castillo because she, I was listening to podcasts and she was talking about what sugar and flour did to our bodies that stopped us from being able to physically fast, how Mm. sugar and flour was driving over desire, over hunger and overeating And that those were the substances that were keeping us from being able to physically fast. So as I listened to what she had to say, and then she introduced this mindset coaching, you know, just the thought model is what I'll call it. I put the two together and I was like, listen, I'm going to go be a life coach. And then all of a sudden COVID happened at the time. And Mm. I found myself with lots of time during (laughs) this, that, that horrible season, but I went ahead, enrolled as a life coach, and started learning about this sugar flower concept and how to manage my mind around eliminating those substances from my diet. Mm. At the same time, this was COVID, my mom was in a retirement home, and she was just a couple miles down the road. And mm. she was locked down on the second floor, and she was 91. We had just celebrated her birthday. And I'm the youngest out of eight children. Mm -hmm. We were best friends, saw her every day. And over the months, she started to really go downhill. And I I mean, my sisters and I and my brother, we were just in in anguish because we were with her all the time. And I'd Mm -hmm. always wanted to learn how to spiritually fast, but I wasn't very good at it. And Mm -hmm. I would try bread and water. I would try just going the whole day without eating. I really didn't know what spiritually fasting was. So I was just like, okay. Mm -hmm. So what I decided was my sisters and I were just really sad about not seeing my mom and just not being there to take care of her because she was she was literally starting to die. 
and she was wow. going to be alone. And so I thought I am going to delay sugar and flour and alcohol until Sundays. I'm going to do that until I get into that home and I'm going mm-hmm. to be by her side and this is going to happen. And so what wow. I did was I delayed the sugar flour and alcohol for this spiritual purpose of being next to and with my mom and just literally just went into absolute outrageous prayer and mm-hmm. went into the sacraments and just daily mass and adoration. I just amped up everything in my life just to get in there. I was really motivated. And within yeah. two or three weeks, we were the only ones in the nursing home by her side 24 hours a day until she passed on January 4th. Oh, wow. Wow. So... That's when I realized <laughs> that would kind of convert you. <laughs> yeah, that is when I realized, okay, I understand this now. I started mm-hmm. getting every book that I could on spiritual fasting, which there's not a lot of them, I must tell you. Um, yeah. There's a lot on physical fasting, but not a lot on sure. spiritual fasting, especially in the Catholic Church. And so I got everything I could. I got some books called Jay Richards has a really good one called Eat Fast Feast, and that's where mm-hmm. I absolutely developed the regimen of the week, eating on Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturdays, fasting on Wednesdays and Fridays and feasting on Sundays. So it's this lovely, habitual, virtuous regimen that I got from his book, but then his book really goes into like the intermittent fasting, not quite as much into like the delay part of like, Mm -hmm. you know, the sugar and the flour and the alcohol. So that's why my my programs and my coaching is called Delay and Pray, because all you're doing is delaying and praying the sugar, flour, alcohol, or just one of the three, or just two, or all three, mm-hmm. until Saturday night after Mass or Sunday, because that is a feast day, and that is where we're, celebration, we're celebrating the resurrection of the Lord. So, right. and he, he puts in there, like, why Wednesdays and Fridays and what happens? And so then it comes down to, so what actually is eating? What's normal eating on Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday? Right. And what is the fasting and what is the feasting? And so that is what I had to really parse out and figure out. So the, mm-hmm. the eating, the eating normally is basically putting a lot of vegetables into your diet, good fats, and mm-hmm. um, some protein, and just becoming fat adapted during those days. Yeah. Perfect. So it's not that hard. And it's really simple in the way that you're just eliminating the sugar and the processed flour and the processed food. Because processed right. food just has salt, chemicals, mm-hmm. you know, sugar, flour, it tastes really good, but it's not very good for you. And it also keeps you, again, over-desiring, over-hungering, and overeating, which innate, which it makes it very, very hard to fast, physically fast. So really, mm-hmm. that's how we start out. It's just introducing the vegetables and getting rid of the sugar, flour, and alcohol, aside from Saturday night and Sunday. And then yeah. on the Wednesday and Friday, we sort of start the intermittent fasting a little bit. So we start out with just 8 p.m. to 8 a.m., which is just 12 hours of your sleeping anyway, for the most part. You know, can you do it? Can you fast for that amount of time and not have the food? Mm-hmm. And then we go into... Can you eat just three meals a day with no snacking, no sugar, flour, alcohol until Sunday? Can you do two meals? Can you do one? And it's just this gradual process over 12 weeks of getting to three meals on normal days, two meals on Wednesdays and Fridays, and then back to three meals and having a little sugar, flour, and alcohol on the Sundays. And so what's funny is our brain 
just loves that it's not a forever thing. Like our brain, if you say, hey, I am closing the door on sugar, flour, and alcohol forever, our brain just starts to say, wait, we get really kind of attached to those things. But if we just say, we're just going to delay, we're just going to delay it for a few days, then it's almost like we can kind of get our arms around it and say, okay, Mm -hmm. you know what? I'm really motivated. I'm going to go to the sacraments for grace. I'm going to use everything I can in my body and soul. I have powers of the soul for grace to try to choose what I'm going to do has a lot to do with thought work as well. And then delay that till Sunday. It's not easy. There's a lot of failing in there, um, mm-hmm. but it's, it's possible. And then eventually right. I got to bread and water on Wednesdays and Fridays. Um, mm-hmm. Not always, but that that's just like my last stage of the game is I, over the three, at the end of like three years of doing this, I finally got over to the bread and the water. Um, mm-hmm. It's powerful. It's very wow. powerful. Wow. That, okay. So this this kind of regimen that you're describing, um, mm-hmm. it, it sounds like a, a generally healthy way of living. But is that the the basics of like when you're when you're someone's going through your program? Is that the basics of what you're teaching them, or are you kind of adapting it like what their needs are and you know where they are, or is it like are you are you just like, I'm wondering if it's one program or if it's like a little bit adjustable to people as they're they're going through it. Oh, it's totally adjustable to people. Okay. Because I have clients that have 100 pounds to lose and mm-hmm. they're usually under the care of a doctor that they possibly might have pre-diabetes or diabetes. And the doctor hands them a food list or like a diet and says, mm-hmm. here, you need to be following this. Uh-huh. And then they find me and they're like, okay, can you help me follow this? Because I literally can't follow this. And then I can teach them why. What is sugar and flour doing to your body that is keeping you in that over-desire, overeating cycle? And we can shift them using their mindset work too because our thoughts create our feelings and our feelings create our actions and our actions create our results. So you have to do some work on the thought line. Mm -hmm. We all want to go to the action line. That's where the, that's where like the the food plan is right. That's where we sit in that action line, but we can't, we can't start there often because we do a lot of emotional eating. That's just part of life. That's just part of our life. So we have to kind of go up to the thoughts Mm -hmm. and start to shift our thoughts as to, okay, what thoughts are driving my emotions that are making me eat when I'm full, when I'm upset, when I'm super happy, when I'm anxious, like, so how do I deal with all that emotional eating as well? Because there's physical hunger. And that's what we mm-hmm. were talking about with the sugar and the flour. Right. And the you're talking about the health benefits. That's the physical hunger. But then the huge piece is that emotional hunger. Right. That you just eat when you're bored. Because as a society, that's what we do. I know. I know. Right. Yeah. Or or you just eat when you're feeling down or anxious or, you know, just it. And I, I think there's a certain level of that that's normal. Like that's part of God's oh. plan for food, right? That it meets an emotional need in a way. Oh, totally. Our brains mm-hmm. are developed for reward. Right. We have a dopamine system. It's neurological and biological. And so we eat sugar and flour and we get a dopamine hit and the, and the dopamine hit mm-hmm. is good. It's a pleasure center. And so then our brain says, ooh, let's do more of that. Right. <laughs> and, right. And so then exactly. you're like, okay. But yeah. at the same time, if it's not serving you, if, if that decision to eat that sugar at that time is not serving you and it's really not for your highest good, mm-hmm. then it can, it can be this short-term happy for long-term crappy kind of gain. <laughs> I and, like that phrase. <laughs> yeah. And so then you then you end up in this kind of cycle that is like, you know, this is just not the decision I want to make. But then all of mm-hmm. a sudden you keep making it 
and then you keep right. making it. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I can yeah. see that. So so a, a little bit more on the on the science end of things, but then I want to talk about the spirituality of fasting. Oh, absolutely. Um, so you used a term fat adapted, and I'm not sure everybody quite mm. knows exactly what that is. So if you could explain that and how that relates to that idea of, you know, flour and sugar just keeps you on this cycle of needing that constant hit and kind of um, your blood sugar is just constantly telling you hungry, 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 keep feeding, feeding, feeding. I, I know this from my own experience mm-hmm. because I used to eat nothing but flour and sugar. And, you know, left to my own devices, that's where I'll end up, you know, most of the time is living on flour and sugar. And I think that's a lot of people's experience. So could Mm -hmm. you explain, explain that a little bit about what fat adapted means? Oh, absolutely. So fat adaption is absolutely good and healthy for you. And it's basically going into um, a nutritional ketosis, which means your body actually goes to your fat stores in order to use that fat for energy to keep going through your day. So Mm -hmm. the opposite of that is called sugar burning, which you can do on Sundays a little bit. So you can be metabolically flexible and do a little bit of sugar burning like on Saturday night or Sunday, and then go right back into fat adaption during the week. And that's what's called metabolically flexible. So kind of going Mm -hmm. in and out. That's the beauty of like this particular program, which actually is in Jay Richard's book, um, Eat Fast Feast. If you want the super details, it's in that book. But that's the beauty because like a keto diet, and everybody's probably familiar with that. You can't stay on it for because sure. it's very hard to like just be fat adapted. I know adapted. very few people who do that forever. <laughs> yeah, because it's so hard to be fat adapted like all the time. Like I, this is where I'm staying all the time. And it's really not necessary because my blood work mm-hmm. is amazing. I'm not on any medication or anything like that. And I'm well into my 50s. Um, so going back to that. So what happens is when you eat a lot of sugar and flour, your body basically turns that into glucose. When there's a lot of glucose in your bloodstream, the pancreas releases insulin to come and take care of the glucose. And then either that is used for energy. If you're going to go for a run, your body will use that sugar burn it to use it for energy, or it'll store it as fat for later. Mm -hmm. Well, if you're, if you're eating sugar and flour all the time during the day, you're always going to have glucose in your bloodstream. The insulin is going to have to come over and clean it up. So you're always going to have high levels of insulin So therefore, you're going to have a lot of fat storage all day long. Mm -hmm. And so that's what's happening. And it it can get into like insulin resistance where you can't even make enough insulin, you know, in order for you're just always having this inflow of insulin um, Mm -hmm. to clean up the your bloodstream. So that that's and then people are hungry all the time. And they're kind of agitated. And if they don't sugar burn, then they get a headache because their body is used to this quick energy mm-hmm. usage. But the fat adaption, when you kind of stop eating for a little bit, just give yourself some hours of time, then your body has to use your fat stores for the energy. And that's the fat adaption. It's using actually the fat that's on your body for energy. And it becomes mm-hmm. very efficient then in doing that. And then you can go a little bit longer without eating. Right. But you have to have times that you're not eating so that your body can repair and use that fat that's stored on your body. And then you have to have times when you're not eating sugar and flour and you have a really nutritious food like vegetables and protein and good fats. Um, And that's going to satiate you and that's going to make you feel really good, high energy, lots of nutrition, lots of vitamins, all the good stuff that's flowing Mm -hmm. through your body. 
Yeah. 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 And I think something that's helpful to know is that there is an adjustment period, you know, because I, I know, like mm-hmm. you were saying, like that, that, that you know, our, our diet of like flour and sugar kind of trains us to like, I can't fast, right? Because you just feel starving. Or, you know, I'm just, I remember I used to have that mindset, even about spiritual fasting, where, well, for years I was pregnant and nursing and I never mm-hmm. needed to fast on, on uh, Good Friday or Ash Wednesday anyway. Right. I kind of was exempt. And I was kind of glad though, because I was like, this is just too hard for me. Mm-hmm. And I think many people have have that mindset, like, oh, I can't possibly do that. But, you know, I, what do you find with the people you're working with or your own experience? What is the what is the time period that you ask them to give it like until it starts to feel a little bit easier? So about two weeks. But okay. what I do in that first week is we eat a lot of vegetables. So calories are not created equal. So you you want to it's, it's not that you're eating really that much less. You're just eating better food, more healthy food and possibly things that are made from scratch, like homemade mm-hmm. bread. So mm-hmm. it, it is, it's, it's interesting. But, you know, I, re- I go back to those Ash Wednesdays where I thought, because the church asks us to eat on the two days that are required for fasting, it, it asks us right. to just have one normal meal, whatever that is, and two snacks that do not equal one normal meal. Okay. Right. Very vague because your normal meal <laughs> might be very different from mine. Mine could be like, you know, a little salad or something. Somebody else's could be like, you know, the drive through fish and fries and a Coke. I mean, you know, so it's interesting right. uh, what is a normal meal, right? But on Ash Wednesday, I would be like, well, okay, I'm not going to eat until like dinner. But then I would feel like almost like I was going to faint and I would feel bad. And it's because my body really wanted all of that. It was sugar burning. So it really right. wanted the glucose. It needed the glucose. It was just like, come on, Beth give me something. (laughs) And I didn't know what was happening and I would have a headache and, you know, that kind of thing. So I didn't even realize really what I could have been doing is just eating, preparing fresh Wednesday by a couple weeks before, you know, eating a lot of vegetables, avocados, um, some protein, hard boiled eggs. I mean, just kind of filling my diet with whole foods Mm -hmm. and then switching over little by little to intermittent fasting, starting with the 12 hours at night, adding an hour every week, adding a couple hours, however you want to do the intermittent fasting that works for you. Do you want to skip mm-hmm. your breakfast? Do you want to skip your your dinner? So it's just basically not eating for a certain amount of time and then having an eating window where you eat, which is mm-hmm. usually two meals or possibly three meals. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that- I think that, yeah, that's, that's very helpful to know. And I think anybody who's out there who's just got a mental block about it, like cannot do, I think that's encouraging to hear that there's mm. a kind of a, a level of transition there and you need to give yourself time, you know, you, it, and if you think about it, like one thing that was helpful for me when I was beginning ever experimenting with, with spiritual fasting was thinking about, so I heard this somewhere, I don't even know where, but somebody was like, uh, being hungry is not an emergency. And that was like so mind blowing to me because I felt like I and I feel like this is part of our culture that we do treat being hungry like an emergency. It's oh always gosh. like, make sure you have snacks, pack snacks, don't don't leave the house without like snacks for the kids or there's play practice. And in the middle, you have to have a break. Who's bringing the snacks? And it's like, wait a minute. Like <laughs> if somebody feels hungry for a minute, it's gonna be okay. Like we are a well-fed country, right? Yes, and that is that's the experience. And what's really funny, I'll never forget. I heard um, when I was going through life coach school, I heard one of the other coaches say, "I had two meals today, and I didn't die." Right. And I just thought that I laughed. I'm like, that's how I feel sometimes. Like, wow, I had 
I had two meals today. I had one at one o'clock and one at 6 p.m. And they were amazing meals. It could have been like salmon and quinoa and broccoli. And I mean, with feta cheese on it. I mean, whatever it is, right? (laughs) I mean, that's really decadent and beautiful and lovely and yummy, right? And then a big salad or whatever. And I didn't die. We are. We're just so funny. We, We just have this cultural mentality and the food industry also pushes a lot of food on us, the commercials, the cheeseburgers, the fries, the Coke. And we have five senses. I mean, God Mm -hmm. made us with five senses that are really powerful. And so Mm -hmm. all those five senses are used when we're eating the cheeseburger and the cheesecake and all of that. And it's really delicious and it's really good. And Mm -hmm. we want it. And and that actually drives the gluttony and the sloth is, you know, it's funny because we will go to confession and we'll say, you know, oh my gosh, I I, you know, I had gluttony and sloth this week. I, you know, those are two of the seven deadly sins. I want to get rid of them. And I would find myself going to confession with this. And then turning around and thinking the Lord's just going to eradicate them. Like, okay, those are gone now because we confess <laughs> yeah. them. Yeah. Instead of he sends you people and books and information and mm-hmm. all that you need to tamp down that gluttony and sloth. It's like, oh my gosh, I realize now within my body what I was doing when I was in ingesting so much sugar and flour, especially that that was really screwing up my hormones, the insulin, the leptin, the ghrelin. And it was causing me to want to overeat, which is let me. And also when you block the leptin, it also makes you not want to move as much because yeah. you're tired. And so, and, and so it's actually kind of causing the gluttony and the sloth. So it's this circle. And so mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, okay. So if I delay the sugar flour a little bit, then I can stop being so gluttonous and having such sloth and I can move a little bit more and I can volunteer more and I can fill my life with so much more mm-hmm. than what the sugar and flour and that reward that dopamine system is giving me over there. Right. Because we do have the powers of the soul and we can, with God's grace, shift over into these other things, but we need the information right. to figure it out. And then we have to figure out how do I apply it? Like, how do I do it? Yeah, I, I love this. I love what you're sharing because it's kind of like the science of sin and virtue, right? Not not that it's all scientific, but that's part of the equation. And I, I think you, you're so right. God sends us what we need for these things. As you were describing that, I was remembering a conversation with a friend recently who went through a difficult financial situation. She told me that she and her husband were just praying for miracle money and that eventually she had to like kind of humble herself and ask her parents for help. And I was like, that's how God works. Like, you know, like sometimes, yeah, you're going to like win the lottery or something, but oftentimes it's through the people and the resources and the tools that are put in your path that he's trying to help you in these certain situations. So that's the science side of things. And there's so much there, but I do want to talk a little bit more about the spirituality of fasting, because this is something that, like I said, I've had a mental block about for for much of my life, but only in, in, you know, more recent years has I come to realize the power Mm. of prayer and fasting together. And and not only that, but maybe you could speak to this a little bit. One of my personal experiences with fasting has been the more that I've done it and made it a regular part of my life, the more I realize how much about our our culture has influenced me to just be so focused on myself. Not mm. even just talking about physical hunger, but just like the me, 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 wanting attention, you know, and, and that I found that fasting for spiritual reasons has helped me go to a place where I can kind of quiet that inner 
voice, which is like me, 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 right? And I, I feel like, and it's hard to describe, except I know that I'm, I can be calmer, I can be more patient, I feel life at a slower pace when I'm not constantly feeling the need to ingest the next thing, spiritually or physically or emotionally. I, I find that that fasting has really helped to bring me to that place. Have you had experiences like that as well? Oh, yes, absolutely. So I think the difference between dieting and spiritually fasting is spiritual fasting is delaying food for a spiritual purpose. Mm-hmm. And that spiritual purpose has to be really big at first. Um, there's a there's an acronym called WIIFM, which is what's in it for me. And even as Catholics, sometimes we have to step into that space, what's in it for me. And like you said, a lot of times that'll be like the health benefits. But we know as spiritual people that there's also spiritual benefits and that they're going to come along Mm -hmm. and that that's going to be the side benefit. And so when we step into this space, the spiritual part is the side benefit. But then once you get a hold of the program, and then once you really get into the spiritual fasting as you have, it starts to affect you in such positive ways. Then you realize, oh, Jesus and the spiritual part, that's the main thing. And the right. health benefits, that's the side benefit. <laughs> yeah. But but as human beings, we sometimes have to step into that space of, okay, I'm, I'm going for the health benefits, but I know it's spiritually good for me. I know this right. is really good for me spiritually. Mm-hmm. But then what happens is that interior movement, the Lord starts to actually make a space where you are making a physical space with hunger. He's coming into that physical space and he's there anyway. He's within us anyway, but he literally comes in a little bit more powerfully and does give us the calmness give us the peace, the meekness, the humility, slows the life down a little bit mm-hmm. and enables us to keep the space in order to actually be able to think about right. the decisions we're making. Hence, free will. Yeah. I think sometimes we're so full physically that we don't even have space to actually make these free will decisions that are really in our best interest, which is getting to heaven and getting yeah. our families to heaven. It's profound. And so that, that is, you're right. That is the end game, but it's Mm -hmm. funny because really for us, it's like a, it's, it's, it's kind of starts at Lent. It's in, so people always are like, (laughs) okay, okay. Tomorrow is Ash Wednesday. What am I going to do? And then we want to give something up or we want to spiritually fast and we don't know how, we don't know what it means. Right. We're not prepared to do it. We're not prepared to do it. It feels too hard. Mm -hmm. And then we don't, and then we feel guilty and then we feel like a failure Mm -hmm. And then we don't like Lent. And then maybe I'm not going to do Lent. And then, you know, we kind of get defensive and we kind of go down that path instead of like what you're saying is just kind of falling into a little bit of trust with, you know, I can delay the sugar and the flour and I know this is healthy and I'm going to do it for a spiritual purpose. And I'm going to open myself up to all of the grace that God has for me. And I will commit to what, what I ask my clients to do is commit to at least one daily mass, if not two. Um, I mean, a week. So like Mm -hmm. two days a week going to mass and then weekly adoration and then monthly confession. That's like baseline. Yeah. And then they can add as they go. But then that's where they're going to get the grace with all of the sacraments in order to get through delaying sugar and flour and alcohol until Sunday. And then they're going to see the spiritual benefits, which are very powerful. So St. Chrysologist says, prayer knocks. 
fasting obtains and mercy receives. And that third part about mercy, that's where the grace is. And you have to be receptive to the grace and receptive to the sacraments in order to have the prayers answered that the fasting is going to obtain. Wow. It, it's like a quick start. It's like a, it's like a quick pass. <laughs> Fast pass. Yeah. It's, it's so interesting and it, it's so powerful, like you said, and it just, it, over time, it slows down your life. The trust, my trust in God is immense. Mm-hmm. I'm able to really imagine myself in the future, like doing really phenomenal missionary work. And it's just opened up the avenue to doing hard things. And I think, yeah. Danielle, that, that's the piece. Not only do you feel better spiritually and physically, and God is answering your prayers, that's awesome. But then he just opens you up to this whole new world of sainthood um, that is very, very powerful. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's so encouraging to hear. And I, I loved what you said about saying we're so fed, like, and and physically and emotionally speaking, I think that's true in a lot of people's lives. Like, we're, you're so filled up with, yeah, okay, food, physically speaking, but then even just emotionally, we fill mm. ourselves with junk food emotionally, whether, you know, it's just taking in social media, or just always having noise in the background, watching television, and all these different ways that we're kind of feeding ourselves constantly. I think it's important to empty ourselves because how can you receive how can you receive anything how can you I mean just like the same way when you're continually physically fed you can't enjoy a a beautiful good meal and really really taste it and appreciate it spiritually speaking when you're so full of this junk you know that we we tend to fill our lives with in these distractions that you're not you're not going to be fed either by our Lord. You're not going to, and that's you know ultimately that's what every one of us is made for. That's what we're craving. Whether you think you have a physical craving or a spiritual craving, like that's what you're built for. That's the space within you that only God can fill. So I, I love that there's the the spiritual element, but also the science backing it up. I'm I'm so grateful for the work that you're doing, Beth. Um, where can people go to find out more about what you've got going on and what kind of programs you're offering right now? I have a website and it's called thecatholicfastingcoach.com. Very, very easy. Okay. Thecatholicfastingcoach.com. And I'm on Instagram, Facebook, um, and LinkedIn. Same thing, thecatholicfastingcoach.com. I do group coaching experiences called Delay and Pray. They're 12-week courses mm-hmm. um, with workbooks and videos and all that great stuff. I also do one-on-one private coaching. And I am just now devising a Lent program, hopefully Ooh. coming out in 2023. So nice. um, I'll... Yeah, I'll let you know when that launches. I'm writing a book and just, again, trying to get people back to the Catholic Church through spiritual fasting, getting back physically into the church, forming prayer groups, forming community, learning how to fast. And there's no wrong way to do it. It doesn't right. have to be not eating all day or just bread and water. I mean, Mary calls that the best fast, the bread and water, and it really is. Now when I make bread homemade, my, my whole family is like... They just love it. They'll never buy store-bought <laughs> bread. Um, it's kind of getting back to just homemade things and family meals and yeah. food as that was meant to be mm-hmm. and completely beautiful. Yeah. And then I God is it. in everything. And and just to remember, we are body-soul composite. You can't separate them until earthly death. So we are body-soul all the way down. And I think we need to start showing up like that. 
Yeah. I agree. I am so grateful for the work that you are doing, Beth. So Beth Bubick has been my guest here today at thecatholicfastingcoach.com. We'll have all of that linked up in the show notes for you so you can check out every good thing she has going on. Consider um, maybe deciding to do this program for Lent this coming year. That's a great plan to have in your back pocket. Well, Beth, thank you so much for coming on Girlfriends today to share about the work that you're doing. I'm so grateful for you. Thank you, Danielle. I have loved every minute of it. God bless. We've got more of the show coming up for you, but first we're going to take a quick break. I'm Danielle Bean, and you're listening to The Girlfriends Podcast. The most important person ever to walk the face of the earth, the source and summit of all things Catholic. But do we really know him? Hi, I'm Dr. Marcellino D'Ambrosio, sometimes known as Dr. Italy. For 30 years, I've taught about Jesus in Catholic university classrooms, on TV, and on radio. And I've been surprised at how Catholics, fascinated with so many of the unique features of the rich Catholic tradition, seem to take for granted the very basis of it all, the person of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Some other Catholic Bible teachers I know have noticed the very same problem. So Jeff Cavins, Dr. Edward Sree, and I decided to collaborate on a groundbreaking study that would focus simply on the life and teaching of Jesus Christ filmed on location in the land where it all happened. Those who take this journey with us will learn amazing new things about the gospel stories they thought they knew so well, about his family, his friends, his enemies, his miracles. But even more importantly, they will come to know Jesus in a new and astonishing way that will make a surprising difference in their everyday lives. This study, Jesus, the Way, the Truth, and the Life, helps you learn with all your senses. The videos filmed on site in the Holy Land will change the way you visualize the gospel stories. The study guide includes gorgeous images, provocative quotes, illuminating maps, and challenging questions. The book that accompanies the study will have you riveted all the way to the end. Order the study pack now at ascensionpress.com forward slash Jesus and get immediate at-home access to the videos and the study guide while the printed components are shipped to you. Again, you can order Jesus the Way, the Truth, and the Life at ascensionpress.com forward slash Jesus. You'll be glad you did. Your life will never be the same. Welcome back. Now we're at the point in the show where I like to share some listener feedback with you. And this week I heard from listener Sarah who sent this voicemail. Hi, Danielle Bean. This is my name is Sarah, and I have been listening to your podcast for many years. And I love it and look forward to it every Tuesday and usually listen to it before I get the email that there's a new one. So it's always a fun way for me to fall close to or listen to in the car. But my question I have is balance. When you have a large family and different ages, we're struggling with the balance of kids. So we have a freshman in high school, all the way down to a one-year-old and four in between. So it's, we know we need to be there for all of them, but the teenager especially, you need some special time and need to be available late at night to, for those late night talks, but you're, we're still getting up with kids in the middle of the night. So just wondering how you 
balanced it and gave each kid their own individual time. So, for example, tonight we have a team football dinner and we also have religious education. So my husband and I are in small groups while the kids are in religious education. So that's helpful for all of our formation. But then we miss the team dinner. So my son doesn't have one of us there to help with volunteering. So we try to rotate that through. Thank you so much for that, Sarah. I really appreciate the, you know, the simplicity of the question and yet the complexity of the question because it's like, how do you divide yourself as parents when you've got multiple kids with multiple needs in multiple ages? And so first, I just want to affirm for you, Sarah, that you are in a very difficult stage of life right now. I remember it so clearly, like having teenagers and also having little kids and that's not an easy thing. You're, you're kind of in two different worlds or actually, you know, and then you've got grade school kids. So you're in multiple worlds. And so it is a very challenging thing. So I really appreciate your question and, and your focus on trying to decide how to balance that. And it sounds like, you know, you're doing a, a good job of that as parents, you know, kind of discerning what things are priorities and who's going to do what and who's going to not have a parent at the thing. Like so many times we've had to make that decision. And yet, I want to encourage you to know, Sarah, and anybody else who's in a similar circumstance, that each of your kids has been given a different set of parents and that God knows all about it. So I used to sometimes beat myself up because I would look at my little guys who, you know, the youngest ones in our family, and I would compare how they were being raised to how I raised our first, you know, two or three kids quite a different scene, let me tell you. (laughs) So like, you know, we used to spend hours at bedtime reading, reading aloud, reading storybooks. We loved to read and we would just spend hours, just a big stack of books and we would read forever before bedtime. And then life was crazy. Life was busy. I was driving to different sports. Kids had jobs. You know, it just wasn't happening in the same way for our younger kids. And yet I had to kind of come to peace with that in realizing, well, there were so many benefits to my younger kids. Yeah, I was focused on the things that maybe they were quote unquote deprived of, but there were so many benefits. Their worlds were so big compared to my big kids when they were that age. They, you know, the people that would come through our house and the the friendships that they had the opportunity to be a part of, even with some of our older kids' friends, the experiences they had as, as a result of having older kids, older kids' activities going on in their lives, it was different. And, you know, just a little side note about how I kind of solved my guilt about the reading aloud thing. Like, I didn't have the same amount of time to sit and read with my younger kids, but oftentimes my older kids would kind of fill in that space and I encouraged it. And here's a little a little pro tip for anybody who's in a similar circumstance. They would naturally do it, like older kids reading to younger kids, but I really encouraged it at the time by telling them they could have the same amount of screen time, the privilege of screen time, whether it was on a computer or watching television or whatever, which generally they needed to earn. They could have the same amount of screen time that they spent reading aloud to a younger sibling. So you want an hour of screen time, then sit and read for an hour with your sibling. It was good for the big kids. It was good for the little kids. It was good for me. It was a great, a great thing. So I really recommend that system or something along those lines. If you're kind of struggling with that kind of guilt about the things that you're you're not doing with your younger kids or something like that. But ultimately, Sarah, what I want to encourage you to know is that God knows all about it. 
He knows where he placed each of your kids in your family. He knows the different parents that each of the kids in your family got. And it's not a mistake. It's for them and it's for you. You are the best parents for each of your kids and you are unique parents for each of your kids. So I just want to encourage you to know that. That doesn't mean sometimes aren't going to be tough. Sometimes you're not going to feel pushed beyond your limits. Sometimes things are going to slip through the cracks. That's family life. And those are learning opportunities. Those are opportunities to grow in humility, grow in patience, grow in love for one another, grow in mercy, and you know, just kind of model for your kids. Here's what we do when we make a mistake, or here's what we do when something slips through the cracks, or you know, just they're, they're life lessons for you and for your kids that none of us is God. You're never going to be God to your kids. And I think I'm not saying you're saying this, Sarah, but sometimes this is kind of the mentality that we fall into as parents. Like we worry about the ways that we're going to fall short. And yet the ways that we fall short to our kids can be a beautiful gift. We would never choose it, maybe. They would never choose it, maybe. But it's a beautiful gift in that it's teaching them, I'm not enough for you. You need God. I'm not God. I'm not perfect. I'm going to fall short. I'm going to disappoint you sometimes. I'm going to feel discouraged sometimes. And this is why we need God. We're made for God. So a humbling lesson as a parent to learn for sure. But I want to encourage you, Sarah, to know that God knows exactly what's going on in your family. And he made you and your husband the parents of your unique kids. And you are uniquely qualified to do it. Nobody else on the planet has been given that vocation. You have, and it's not a mistake. All right. If you have a question that you'd like me to take up on this segment of the show, or if you have a response to share with Sarah, maybe you have one of those pro tips, maybe an experienced mama out there has something in particular that you want to share in uh, how you've balanced priorities with kids with multiple ages. I would love to hear from you. You can connect with me on Voxer. The link to connect with me on Voxer is always in the show notes over at ascensionpress.com. If you want to get those show notes, by the way, delivered to your inbox every week, rather than having to go hunt them down, text the word girlfriends to 33777 and you will automatically get subscribed to those show notes. You won't have to go looking for them. They will find their way to you in your inbox every week. Super convenient and a really easy way to stay up to date on girlfriends and get all of those links for all of the the different resources that we share here on the podcast. Also, you can always email me, good old-fashioned email, danielle at daniellebean.com. Also, I'm Danielle Bean on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can find me those places as well. Thank you, Sarah, for your message. And thank you for being part of today's show. It truly means the world to me that we get to spend time on the podcast here together each week. I look forward to it. I always pray for the people who listen to the podcast. So that's a little a little known benefit of listening to the Girlfriends podcast is you get some extra prayers in your week. So I want to thank you for being part of today's episode. It truly is so encouraging to me to put out this podcast each week and know that you're listening. So thank you so much for that. It's a gift. And until next time, I hope you enjoy your day and God bless your week. Girlfriends is a collaboration between daniellebean.com and Ascension, the leader in Catholic faith formation. 